and welcome back to the Go For Two podcast. I'm Liam, your host, and this is our week four review. Uh, unfortunately, Patrick isn't with us. He's still on holiday. But uh, congratulations to him because he actually got engaged during Sunday night. So, NFL, yeah, he was getting engaged. So, uh, big congrats to him and Beth. Um, I'm sure he sold a lot of uh, NFL-related items to be able to afford that ring he bought. So, I'm happy with that. <laughs> um, but we are joined again by Callum from the Full 10 Yards Network this week. Callum, mate, how you doing? Yeah, all good, man. Yeah, congrats to congrats to Patrick. That's that's big time. I'm delighted for him. That's fantastic. And, and uh, yeah, I know he announced he, he, he step in. <laughs> he he announced it actually in the uh, on Twitter on the uh, during that late window that 9 p.m. terrible <laughs> slot of games. So uh, I think he brightened up um, Twitter for all of his followers, which was nice because those games were uh, were pretty poor. So yeah, good news for the for the pod. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about week four. Uh, and then do a little preview as well, because me and Patrick can't record till Friday, so we'll briefly touch on Thursday Night Football at the end of the episode. But um, I'm not sure how good the game is going to be, but we'll, we'll we'll get there when we get there. Uh, in terms of the picks then, um, as we know on Friday, we picked all the games against the spread. We actually tied for the week. So uh, me and you, mate, picked 15 games on uh, Friday. We finished 11-11, and 11, both of us. Uh, the Browns absolutely killed both of us. Um, Commanders killed me, and then the Rams killed you. So we'll talk about those games in a minute. But um, congrats on uh, getting Patrick's first draw of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to glad to get a point on the board for the team. Uh, you know, I thought we re- we really came into our own in the second half there, and uh, <laughs> you know, having uh, having had a slow start, it's just good to get points on the board for the boys. You know. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, if we'd have bet all 15 games individually with no hackers. Uh, We'd have had a hell of a week going, uh, going 11-15. But of course, we didn't actually do that. Um, so we're going to break down the weekend's action in a couple of segments. So let's start with, uh, why don't we do, let's do best performance of the week. We'll start it on a positive note. Um, and I'll leave you to uh, to go first, mate, as you're the guest, even though I know who you're going to say. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I'm glad that I'm able to come on your, your home podcast and uh, hype up your team because... The Kansas City Chiefs were absolutely superb on Sunday night. Um, I'd kind of spent all day looking forward to that game, especially when you talked about how bad the uh, the late window on Sunday was. But I, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you could tell me it was, you know, 10-pin bowling, Mahomes against Brady, and I'd probably want to watch because, you know, those two kind of supreme superstars in this league, obviously Brady's longevity and what he's achieved over his career, and then, you know, on the flip side of things, what Mahomes has, has started to, you know, do in his early part of his career as well. There's just there's just so much talent there. Um, and it's, you know, incredibly exciting, really. Um, I, I just thought the Chiefs were excellent from start to finish, to be honest with you. I, I, I did not necessarily go into it expecting that that would be the way. I think that, I thought the Chiefs would probably win, but I didn't think yeah. it would be quite so comprehensive as it was. And obviously, you know, they get huge momentum on the opening kickoff, getting the fumble recovery. Mahomes immediately hits Kelsey and you're off to the races. But the thing that really impressed me was because I, I don't associate the Chiefs as being a particularly good running team. And the Buccaneers are a pretty good run defense. And yet all yeah. of a sudden, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Isaiah Pacheco... <laughs> you know, we're running the ball at them and having success, which if the Chiefs are going to develop a running game that teams have to respect, is only going to help Mahomes, you know, be able to throw downfield later in the game. So I thought that was probably the, you know, the real headline. 
But it's just nice to see the Chiefs, you know, being the Chiefs again after a one-week aberration against the Colts. It was it was good to see them get back to normal. Yeah, I think it's the most amount of points that um, Todd Bowles has conceded as a head coach, obviously, or DC for the Bucks in the mm-hmm. the three seasons he's been there. So to score forty-one on that defense is is pretty pretty impressive. Like you said, um, run game probably one of the most important aspects, bearing in mind how the game went, having an early lead, even though a lot of that was, the first two drives were obviously mostly passes, and then after that they kind of ran the ball. Um, but I think some of that was just because of how good the O-line played. Shaq Barrett, who's the edge rusher for the Bucks, was saying <laughs> in the week that he thinks the current offensive line for the Chiefs is just as bad as the one in the Super Bowl, and then he ended the game with no pressures, no tackles for loss, no sacks, and uh, got pancaked by Trey Smith and Orlando Brown, so that was quite nice for uh, for Chiefs fans. But, um, yeah, I was very surprised about how well the, the Chiefs managed to run the ball. Um, I think the Bucks passing game did look kind of back to what it was. I know a lot of that is... I don't anyone who watched the game will kind of see this is a 10-point win for the Chiefs, but I think it's probably more... Most of the game was a 17-point sort of lead, and I think 17 mm-hmm. is probably where the game is probably quite fair. But I think the Bucks passing game looks quite good. A lot of that was obviously... Um, 12, 13, 14 play drives. They didn't run the ball at all. I think Leonard Fournette finished with three carries for minus three yards. Um, so it was all Brady just passing it once the Chiefs got a lead. Uh, and I think that's a positive for the Bucks that the weapons back, they did look better in the past game, especially in the second half when they were down. Um, but yeah, the run game was terrible and uh, the defense was surprisingly kind of not easy, I guess, because it's still hard to do, but um, the Chiefs got a lot more more yards and points than a lot of people thought. Uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, famous play that's going around from Holmes where he does a spin and then a jump pass? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the guy's a wizard. We've, we've been over this, you know. I, 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 it's one of those things where, like, you almost feel bad because we should be lauding him for being this exceptional. And, yeah, it kind of feels like in some segments of the media, there's already a feeling of, like, well, you know, we always talk about Mahomes. So, like, should we do it again? And it's like, yes, we should, because he's that good. No, he is absolutely incredible. And, you know, they may not be absolutely perfect on everything, and they may not get everything right, but the guys who did the scouting and the drafting at Mahomes should go down in history for getting, you know, just one of the best foresight looks ever. You know, they, they nailed it. He is everything you could have ever dreamed to be as a quarterback and so much more. And, you know, it's it's just... Plays like that aren't supposed to happen. You know, it's very obvious it's not supposed to happen. It's improvisation. <laughs> but, you know, he spins yeah. out of a tackle, you know, against a really tough, you know, Buccaneers linebacker core and then just flips it to Edward Hilaire like he's got no cares in the world. I mean, he is truly exceptional. And, you know, he's must-watch TV. Like, you know, there's there's no chance. We're gonna, we can talk about some people later on where I'm saying, you know, oh, you're in prime time again. I don't want to watch you. Like, I will always want to tune in for Patrick Mahomes because he just is that good. And, you know, quite frankly, the Chiefs' offense has had to change this year with the loss of Tyreek Hill for very obvious reasons. But I thought Marcos Valdez-Scanling and the few targets he got looked really good. He spilled that deep threat. Juju appears to be kind of finding his feet a little bit now. And in Travis Kelsey, you've still got the best receiving tight end in the league. And that just means that this Chiefs team is not going to be anywhere but in the deep, deep, deep playoff hunt by the end of the year. They're just very talented. And, you know, Spagnolo seems to have found a way to play enough defense to help them win games. I mean, you know, obviously, you said it was it was should have been more like a 17-point win than a 10-point win, absolutely. 
Um, and I think on the flip side of that, you, you touched on it as well. For the Bucks, it's not all doom and gloom because you did have success throwing to to Evans. You know, Godwin looked okay. Yeah. I still think they should be getting Julio Jones, you know, more involved than they are. But that's, you know, maybe there's a reason for that that we don't really know. Um, but generally speaking, I thought, you know, the, the, the Bucks didn't look bad moving the ball. And I think really game, game script uh, dictated the way that they had to go in terms of, you know, going away from the run game, which, you know, has always been a facet of a Brady offense is having a solid run game to, uh, you know, be able to rely on when you need it. So, yeah, it, it was a good game. And, you know, I, you told me that that was our Super Bowl matchup. However many months from now, I, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't complain. Uh, but I thought it was nice for the Chiefs to get, you know, a modicum of uh, revenge for the uh, the defeat a couple of years ago. Yeah, five TDs for the Chiefs, all scored by backs and tight ends. Um, and then Patrick Mahomes has five more TD passes to tight ends and backs than anybody else in the league. So very clear that they're using more than just the receivers this season. Um, yeah, and it was nice to see a primetime game actually go over and see some points. That was, uh, that was nice. <laughs> yeah. and, a, and a random stat, um, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Holmes have combined now for 4,500 passing yards in the middle of the field in the last five seasons. No other pair have combined for 3,000. So <laughs> uh, wow. they, they are truly just uh, an elite combination. It was, a, it was a very fun game, and I think there's a chance we'll see both these team to teams late in the, the season. We'll see if the Bucks can improve a little bit for the Super Bowl, and obviously the Chiefs get past some tough, tough AFC teams. But I wouldn't complain if this was the uh, Super Bowl game, unless we lose to Brady again, and then I'll be complaining for <laughs> forever. So we shall see. Um, my performance, best performance of the week is actually sticking with a team from, from one of these divisions. So I've actually gone with the Chargers. Um, a game that they should win, but the injury... The injury record in, in terms of the players that they didn't have available this week was absolutely insane. They started Jamari Salia, who's left tackle. He used to play for, um, I think it was Georgia in the draft, played guard a little bit in college. Kind of wanted to call him out specifically because obviously um, Slater is injured for the season and he's a huge loss. Um, the rookie comes in, doesn't give up a single pressure, doesn't give up a single hit um, with a QB playing under centre that's obviously injured. So um, it, it was quite tough this week because we've got some shocking performances later that I think were obviously really good. But I, I think a lot of the best teams, apart from probably the Chiefs and another team we'll talk about later, I think struggled a little bit this week. So I wanted to call out the Chargers for winning. They obviously beat the Texans 34-24. Um, still loads of injuries, but this is a game that they could easily lose, especially when the Texans end up scoring 24 points. But the offense comes out, scores 34. Herbert plays really well, throws for 340 yards, looked a little bit healthier. The O-line played well, and uh, Austin Eckler actually scored some touchdowns for uh, for people's fantasy teams. So I think this is a good performance. They're 2-2 two and two now. Obviously, Texans aren't great, but uh, I think it was a bounce-back win after they lost the Jaguars last week for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I think I touched on it on Friday's pod, you know, our long national nightmare is over and Austin Eckler finding the end zone. I mean, that was that was huge <laughs> for so many fantasy teams across the country and the world, especially mine, uh, that Eckler finally got into the end zone, deservedly so. Um, yeah, I, listen, I'm, I've been high on the Chargers kind of all off-season, as I think so many people were, and really... You know, obviously they're a division rival of yours, but I, I just didn't want to see their division, their season, excuse me, get curtailed by this, you know, unfortunate swathe of injuries they've got. I thought Mike Williams looked really good. He's stepping up in the absence of Keenan Allen. Um, Gerald Everett as well, who had, you know, the unfortunate play against the Chiefs where he was just exhausted and cost them the pick six. But he's been a really nice pickup and an addition as a, as a receiving tight end. He's had success in the league previously and looks like he's been 
you know, a really good addition to their offense. And they just looked a bit more like themselves. I mean, yeah, the Texans are the Texans. Should give a word to Damian Pierce for another solid performance from the rookie and, you know, getting a long touchdown run that really kind of kept Houston in that game. Uh, but yeah, I, I listen, I, I think the Chargers are a really good team and I, I do think it will come down to the Chiefs and the Chargers in the AFC West. And I would not be surprised if both teams were, you know, deep in the playoffs if they don't have to play each other earlier on. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely. It was a very, very good performance for the Chargers and uh, one that should help them as they, uh, you know, continue to try and get back on track through this season. Yeah, I just don't think you can afford now to go one and three, really, in the AFC. No, I just think no. there's too many, too many good teams and there's some teams that are good that have got much easier schedules down the stretch than they've got in the first few weeks. So I think it was a, a really big win. I think we could see them very deep in the playoffs. We'll see what happens with injuries, obviously. It came out that Bosa's going to be missing for eight to ten weeks, which is massive, and just another reason why this defence getting the pressure they did on Davis Mills in this game without Bosa is really good. And I think Khalil Mack also might have got strip sack. So, um, yeah, I think the defence still looks good. Uh, JC Jackson looks really hurt. He he was poor again. Yeah. But if you if the rest of the defense can play like this with Bosa and Jackson either not playing or being injured, then I think it only kind of looks good when they come back or get back to to full health in the in the playoffs. Well, um, yeah, I think I think that's the that's the real thing is if you're going to have the injuries, maybe get them out of the way earlier. And you know, yeah. obviously, you've got to try and stay afloat. But if they can do that, and if they can find a way to make it, you know, out of this, I guess, treacherous part of their season. Uh, towards the playoffs and get healthy in time for the postseason, then they are primed then to try and make a run. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to uh, Damien Pierce and Rex Burke as well for single-handedly saving two different fantasy teams of mine because um, I had so many I had so many running back injuries this week uh, and they, they single-handedly managed to help me there. Um, let's move to uh, let's do some uh, shocking performances because this might also lead to some good ones. Um, did you want to give your uh, shocking performance of the week? Well, yeah, my, my shock performance of the week is, is actually a positive in that I can't believe the Atlanta Falcons managed <laughs> to beat the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, we, it does show you, you know, we know absolutely nothing because we sat here on Friday going, how is this, a, you know, a two-point yeah. spread, you know, this, that and the other, and obviously kind of laughing and saying, well, you know, if, if they lose this game, then it shows we know nothing and Vegas knows everything. And guess what? We know nothing <laughs> and Vegas knows everything. And it's just... Uh, Baffling, to be completely honest. I, I'm astounded by it. I, you know, if you told me that Cordero Patterson would basically only play the first quarter and the Falcons would win, I, I would never believe that for a million years. I mean, they came out with, I think it's Tyler Algier and Caleb Hundley, I think were the two running backs they really used late down the stretch. I think they ran 16 run plays in a row, something like that, and just absolutely used the Browns' own game against them. They couldn't stop them, kept the clock running, went down the length of the field just using runs. And, you know, credit to Arthur Smith. You know, he's he's been someone who's been under fire. But weirdly, after four weeks of the season, the Falcons find themselves at two and two and are yeah. a miracle Saints comeback. And if they had maybe recovered an onside kick against the Rams, away from being four and oh, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> But really, they should not have lost that Saints game. So they should be three and one, which is just yeah, not something I thought I was going to be saying at the start of the season. <laughs> because I do think this Falcons team is, you know, and I do think they're going to end up that way still. But I, I just do think they're a bottom five team. 
Um, and yet somehow, credit to their coaches, they're making it work. So, you know, you've got to give credit where credit's due and uh, show respect when a team performs at a level that you didn't think was possible. Yeah, I do think a lot of people, maybe myself included, maybe not quite bottom five, but would have had the Falcons, the Bears and the Giants as all bottom five teams. And I think between them now, they've got seven wins in four weeks. <laughs> I don't think you'd have met. Some people would have said they went about seven weeks by like seven wins, sorry, by like week 12. And they've, they've got those by uh, by week five. So I do think that's impressive. Um, in terms of the run game, like you said, I think Mariota actually only threw it once in the entire second half. Uh, completed seven passes in total. Uh, seven for 139 is actually quite impressive. Uh, one of those passes must have been <laughs> must have been quite good for him to be able to manage to scrape 139 yards. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. The offense is fun. I think Arthur Smith's doing a great job on the offense. Um, AJ Terrell really blanketed Amari Cooper in this game and uh, just kind of further put his case out there that he is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I know he was great last year, but... Uh, a lot of corners in this league can be very good for one year. It's very hard to be good for, for multiple seasons. And I think uh, AJ Terrell has proven that he is in the, an elite corner. Uh, and anyone that managed to randomly have Caleb Huntley in a fantasy team this week is definitely going to have won their week because I don't know how you've managed to pick him up for 10 for 56. But I'm sure there's people <laughs> listening to this podcast that, that did have him in some 32-team league or something in there. Help them win a game. Um, Kyle Pitts, again, one reception for 25 yards. I don't love to see that as a Kyle Pitts fantasy owner. Um, but that just proves there is further improvement for this offense. And for me, uh, I think if they ever move from quarterbacks to, to Desmond Ritter, I think this could actually be a team that wins six or seven games um, just because I think he'll actually open up the passing offense. But we'll see. They're definitely impressed. In terms of the Browns, um, I think some of the play calling from Stefanski was very interested in this game. Uh, Brissett threw that typical interception on the last drive that I know many fans have uh, seen him do over the years, for whether it be the Dolphins, the Colts, or or the Patriots. But, um, yeah, not a very good performance for him. His stats look okay, but if you look at third down, if you look at the big moments in the game, his passing was, was not great. So, very strange game for the Browns. But I think if you'd have told us on Friday that um, they'd be losing both their starting defensive ends and their starting defensive tackle, I'm not sure we'd have been as confident but still, the Browns managed to make us look silly somehow. Yeah, no, I th- I obviously the injuries play a role. I mean, I still think without those players on paper, especially with how limited Patterson was, the Browns are the better team and should win the game. Yeah, they should but win, as yeah. We all know, you know, as we all know, the, the game's not played on paper for a reason. Uh, yeah, totally agree with you on Kyle Pitts and, and kind of by extension Desmond Ritter. I do think he will get a chance to play at some point this year because I, I just do think this Falcons team will have a losing run. Uh, you know, I, I like Marcus Mario as a human, and I think he's, you know, maybe been slightly unfortunate that he hasn't had more chances in his career in this league. But I, I, I just don't see a, a world where he is really, you know, the guy for a team in this league. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Ritter will get his chances. And, you know, fingers crossed for him and the Falcons that that uh, benefits Hits and, uh, and a few of the other guys as well. And it, it well could do. Uh but yeah, I, I'm impressed by the Falcons in, in a way that I just did not expect to be at the start of Sunday. Yeah, Browns will be kicking themselves as well. They're not three or three and one or four and zero. Oh with uh, they should be four and zero. Oh. I mean, both their losses yeah. have been terrible. Yeah, with who they've had to play at quarterback as well, and obviously the person who's going to be coming back, they'll be thinking they could easily win the division if they'd be four and zero oh at this point. With with obviously starting quarterback to come back, but. 
Uh, thankfully for us Browns haters, they are not 4-0. I'm not going to call you a Browns hater, <laughs> but me and, pa- me and Patrick are not in on the Browns, so we'll, we'll no. call ourselves Browns haters. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, I mean, I, I might as well make a public statement on this. Yeah, um, you know, it's I've actually been a huge Browns fan for the past few years, kind of as the plucky underdogs. They drafted my guy Baker out of Oklahoma. You know, I've, I'm married into the Sooner family and very happy to be here, even if we did have a bad weekend uh, this one just passed. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I've been a Browns supporter. You know, I was watching all these behind-the-scenes documentaries of building the Browns on YouTube and enjoying it. And, you know, I, I like Amari Cooper as a pickup, and I really I like David Njoku as a tight end. And they've got a young, hungry defense. Miles Garrett is a great player, good guy. And, you know, the Browns became, surprisingly, easy to cheer for. And yet, all it takes is the decision to bring in someone who clearly... <laughs> should not be playing football full stop. Yeah. And yeah, the Browns become completely uncheerable for, if that makes sense, which is a, a weird phrase to say, but it just, it is the situation. And, you know, do I wish it was different for the people of Cleveland? Yeah. I've got nothing, nothing but respect for a team that suffers and still turns out the way they do. Like the people of Cleveland have generally done. I mean, you know, you see some horrific examples of some of these crazy people on, uh, on social media who are, you know, suggesting that, you know, that there's innocence that should be proven and this, that, and the other, I mean, you know, get out of here with that. But yeah, uh, the Browns have all of a sudden gone from being, you know, happy to cheer for to don't want to hear from you at all. And it's, it's a shame for their fans, but they've made their bed and they've got a lay in it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And it is quite interesting now seeing Twitter, Facebook or, group chats that there is definitely a different atmosphere on the Browns. People don't want to always just harp on it because we want to enjoy Sundays and not have to think about a certain yeah. horrible quarterback. But you definitely notice that people enjoy the uh, the games they lose or the teams they lose to now a lot more than they did before. And it's quite a shame because this podcast is now part of the Full 10 Yards Network. There's probably more Browns fans in that network than there is any other yeah. team, maybe. Dolphins yeah. obviously got a couple of you, but Bengals have got a couple. But uh, there's quite a few Browns people in there that are all great people, and it's just difficult, isn't it? Because you've got to try and separate being a fan from from watching the team. But uh, yeah, it's basically yeah. just a bunch of us. It's a bunch of us who just uh, all support teams that are traditionally really bad. Um, so you're an <laughs> outlier and being a fan of a team who's actually quite good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is difficult. I think to an extent, and you know, without getting into you know too much into the weeds. I mean, you know, I've I've dealt with this in other football as well when you know being a Manchester United fan and having Cristiano Ronaldo on the team uh with some of the allegations of what he's done in his private life um and you know similarly there was kind of an issue this weekend with Thomas Partey who's accused of some fairly heinous things scoring for Arsenal in North London derby and getting a standing ovation and you know it's it's very difficult because you want to cheer for your team but equally you don't have to support the individual and what they may have done so yeah, it's hard. You know, I, I do feel sorry for Browns fans. None of them asked for this and they don't deserve it. But, uh, you know, the situation is a situation for want of a better phrase. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting if they were, obviously he's not coming back this week, but if they start 4-0 and and they end up 7-1, and yeah. some crazy, and then you have to make, and then you're like, obviously you're going to bring in your other quarterback, theoretically, because of how good he, how much better he is on the field. But, it's hard if you had a great record, but I feel like two and two is probably a, a fairer situation for them to go on. Um, on to the next shock of the week, then. This is kind of a joint shock. 
So this is a positive shock of the week for how good Gino Smith was and a negative shock of the week for how silly he made you look on the Friday podcast. Uh, <laughs> I believe your words were, uh, it doesn't matter who's playing for the Lions, I'm never going to back a team led by Gino Smith. And then Gino Smith comes out, let's get the stat line. Uh, I think he was actually the QB1 in fantasy. He was QB1 in PFF grading. He was QB3 in Football Outsiders grading, QB4 in ESPN grading. And he finished for 320 yards, uh, 23 from 30 attempts, two touchdowns. I think he ran in a touchdown as well. Uh, and they beat the Lions 48-45. to 45, So defense was not on show in this game. This game cost me a leg of an eight-game accumulator for unders and overs. I put the, over, the under to 60 points thinking like oh, I'll put it up a bit I'll put the points up by 13 or whatever it was and they ended up with nearly 100 points so first of all what are your thoughts on the game and lack of defense then secondly uh Gino made you look silly <laughs> um well I was completely surprised by the game uh first and foremost I mean I you know I I'm I'm very team team bet the over and team let's have the points but uh yeah Same. did not expect to see this whatsoever and it was uh, a very weird one where I, I, I had a I had a situation I had to attend to during kind of Sunday and missed a little bit of the fourth quarter of some of the games and kind of couldn't believe when I looked at the final score and saw that this was 48-45. <laughs> it was, you know, unbelievable. Um, Gino, no, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. I am happy for Gino Smith. I was happy for him in week one. I'm happy for him now that, he, you know, he's had another good performance. Uh, but this idea that, you know, he's you know, going to save the Seahawks franchise is, is nonsense. I mean, he he played well. I do think, I will say, I do think Jared Goff may have actually outperformed him on fantasy. I'm going to just throw a flag on that one. But... Uh, I think they were one and two, weren't they? Okay. Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess it depends on the scoring, to be fair as well. That's a good point. Um, but no, yeah, I listen, I, I, I can't criticise Gino for the performance, obviously. Uh, you know, he does have elite weapons in, in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And, you know, I really, I've been saying that they deserves someone who's going to get them the ball. And thankfully, uh, on Sunday, he did. You know, he, he played well. He hung in. I'm probably more surprised and disappointed by the Lions' defense that I thought had kind of started to turn a corner and look a bit better. And I thought they would have been yeah. licking their lips at the prospect of the Seahawks' anemic offense. And yet, well, we saw what happened. Uh, so it was a strange one. It was really a strange one. But um, hard to, yeah, I mean, hard to really hard to really criticize him credit to him i mean you know this this if if the seahawks were going to get many wins this year this is the sort of game that they're going to need to win to do that um you know yeah. I, I will be quite frankly astounded if geno smith beats anyone else in that division um and you know he follows it up this week with the seahawks against the saints who themselves look devoid of all kind of positive yeah, confidence yeah, so well, so that's the question is, you know, really, I can't believe looking at the line I'm seeing right here that the Saints are five and a half point favourites for that one in, you know, this, this weekend because you, you'd kind of be tempted to take the Seahawks plus the points there. But there's almost a point at which you're kind of saying if Gino is the guy for them, he'll go and find a way to win that game because that, that is a winnable game considering the Saints injury issues and how they're playing right now. So, yeah, uh, I'm happy for him. Happy to take my medicine about being uh, being wrong this weekend. <laughs> but I still think you will see a brand new quarterback playing in Seattle next year following a relatively high draft pick. 
Yeah, problem is if he keeps winning a couple of games, that draft pick's going to not be as good as they, fans probably want it to be. But uh, well, I guess some Seahawks fans are probably yeah. <laughs> yeah, some Seahawks fans are probably like, right, let's stop winning this now, Junior. Right, you've had yeah. your two games now. You've got your backup <laughs> job secured for the next five seasons. Let's just chill out and stop winning games. But um, we'll see. I, I found it interesting. I listened to the Ringer podcast today, and they did actually talk about the Falcons making the playoffs. But aside from that part, <laughs> they spoke about Geno Smith, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. He's running that Shane Waldron, Ram-style offense. And you want a quarterback who's just going to do what he's told, to be honest. Hit the layups, hit the open receivers, not throw interceptions, not fumbles, not sacks. And Geno Smith's pretty good at not making mistakes. He's just not incredible at the other stuff. Um, so I do think this allows them to actually run a normal offense, um, whereas obviously quarterbacks like Russ, you have to run the Russell Wilson offense, which is hard hard to do at times. So yeah, I think he fits the the style. Pete Carroll obviously absolutely loves him. Um, nice performance, but I'm sure Seahawks fans want to see some losses. Uh, and also Rashad Penny, shout out to him because I think he ran for 151 mm. yards, two TDs this week. So yeah, hell of a performance from him. Um, cool. Next one then. Uh, so the other shock that I've added as a group group think shock was the Packers. Uh, they did win the game. So you think the shock is, oh, the Packers are amazing. Can't believe that they're the best team in football. However, they only just about beat the Patriots, who had to play, I think, over three quarters of the game with Bailey Zappi, quarterback, someone who, no offense to him, happy he played well relatively. Um, but isn't an NFL quarterback. His arm strength is some of the weakest you'll ever see coming out of college that actually make it to make it to the NFL. Um, but the Packers only won 27-24 in overtime, and they only really won because the Patriots decided to just run the football on all three downs at the end of the game and then at the start of overtime when they could have easily risked it, chuck a couple of passes in, maybe a, a traditional trick play that they used to run um, just to get some yardage and kick a field goal, but they didn't. They ran the ball. Packers knew they were going to run the ball, stop the ball, and obviously the Packers won the game. But I think my concern for me is that teams are averaging six yards a go on first down against the Packers' defense. And then the Packers' offense, for me, just looks really strange. It looks probably worse than I thought it would. Um, and even though they won the game, and I think they sit there now at maybe three and one, um, they've been the kind of worst-performing team for me out of the teams we know were going to be good. And I'm just a little bit worried about them going forward. Interesting. I'm not. I'm not as worried. I'll be completely honest. I mean, I, I think the the there was always going to be a how how would you put this? There was always going to be a you know a, a teething period, shall we say, with the changes in that offense. You know, losing Devonta Adam is serious. I'm liking yeah. what I've seen out of Romeo Dobbs. And yeah, same. I do think he's yeah? I think he's got some potential there. Um, I, I hear you that, I mean, this this is a game I thought the Packers would win comfortably by two scores. Um, and when you tell me that Bailey Zappi comes in, I think you would expect it to be even more. Though, I, you know, I was happy for him <laughs> to perform as well as he did. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I do like what they've got in AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones as a one-two punch. And I think as the season goes on, you know, as David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins get settled back on that line full-time, uh, I do think the Packers' offense will come into its own. I, I'm still convinced that they they win their division relatively easily and potentially even end up with the the one seed in the NFC. Really, just I I, I think the Eagles will hit a bit of a rough patch at some point, and I'm not convinced in the consistency of the other teams in that conference. You know, at the end of the day, whether you win by three points or thirty three points, the win counts as one, right? And 
yeah. you know, Lafleur and Rodgers have found ways to win games and be successful in that. You know, Green Bay has such an incredible home field advantage in in December when the, when it gets cold and the fans are so used to it and it's loud and miserable and yeah, the Packers just seem super happy to be playing in those conditions. I think that's something that will uh will benefit Green Day, Green Green Day, benefit Green, Green Bay Day down, yeah, <laughs> benefit Green Bay down the stretch. Um, and yeah, I, I just I, I think I think the Packers are building, and I think they're building slowly. But I think really for me, this game tells you more about how good a coach Bill Belichick is to be able to coach his defense to limit the Packers the way they did and, you know, create just enough offense for the Patriots to, to hang around in that game. And so, uh, you know, it's no surprise to anyone, but I think this, this tells you more about Bill Belichick than it does the Packers for me. Yeah. And I find it interesting. There's two weeks in a row now that Bill Belichick's actually also um, been speaking to the quarterbacks and so not just this week when it was happy, but even last week after every offensive drive, scored or stalled out um he was the person coming over and speaking to the quarterbacks very similarly to how he used to do with the defense when he, he kind of coached the defense so i think the rumors of him wanting to be more involved with the offense and the whole doesn't trust patricia thing i think is true and it's pretty interesting i think that he still wants to do that sort of stuff so yeah i agree that the defense did give them some fits uh, the run game looked nice but obviously with a quarterback is happy you're just going to struggle aren't you in the nfl to to score enough points to win a game but they got awfully close um, from a Packers point of view, it's just weird, I think, how uninterested Rogers looks. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, they're, they're definitely building slowly. They should improve. They've got an easy part of the schedule towards the middle um, and then a harder harder end. So we'll see how their season goes. Um, and in the words of Green Day, got to wake Aaron Rodgers up when October ends. We'll see what <laughs> um, let's do uh, worst performance of the week then, since we're speaking about bad ones. Um, I know you've got quite a clear winner here, and it is... Uh, Probably the most recent game that anyone's watched so far. So, uh, who was your worst performer of the week? Uh, yeah, the, the LA Rams. I just, God, I can't stand it when Jimmy G is made to look competent. Um, just <laughs> abysmal, really. Um, that's a game that the Rams should be winning. When you look at the depth that they've got in their defense and the talent in their defense, you know, I think six different people. Mr. Tackle on Debo Samuel on that run. And don't get me wrong, Debo's a talent. But Jalen Ramsey yeah, yeah. has to make that. Jalen Ramsey has to make that tackle on the 25-yard line or whatever it was when Debo kind of scooted around him and then ran to the corner of the end zone. I just, I couldn't believe really how how disappointing it was. Um, it, it's hard to, it's hard to really critique a Super Bowl championship winning team, but Weirdly, the loss of Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. seems to be having a huge impact, really, uh, because you know they added Bobby Bobby Wagner, but his highlight of last night was decking a fan that ran on the pitch. Um, <laughs> that was funny. And, that was yeah, funny. it was brilliant. It was great. You know, I think if you're stupid enough to go down on field level when you're not supposed to be there, you deserve to get your head taken off. It's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I just I, I I was so disappointed in the Rams. You know, they kept stalling in the red zone. Tyler Higby and Cooper Cup both had really good games. I didn't think Matt Stafford was particularly good. I thought their O-line was terrible. Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson continue to be mediocre as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, I just, I, Alan Robinson is what he is. He's a decoy that's not really involved in the passing game. So 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the 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 recipe for stopping the Rams is out there now, which is if you can kind of limit it, if you can keep Cooper Cup in front of you and limit the receiving to just him and Higby, you can hold them and stiffen when you need to. And a Sean Bavay team is not going to win many games with field goals. It was just an extremely disappointing performance against what I genuinely think is a fairly average Niners Niners side all round. <laughs> You're so down on the Niners, though. It makes me, it makes me laugh. But I, I am, some, but I, I just I, stick I look with... at it and I weigh it up, and I just I can't see. I love George Kill and Debo Samuel's electric, but you know, Jeff Wilson had a had a good game running the ball last night. But I'm not convinced that he would start for many other teams in the league as a running back. I don't think he's anything special. Um, no, but, that's that's just know, Kyle though. He's always been able to yeah, scheme up which, better run games just, than anyone, isn't he? You should you should be able to have more success against them than the Rams did. You really should. Yeah, so I, I was pretty disappointed with the Rams as well. I spoke about it on Twitter today, and I think there's so there's a lot to it. So I think you're right. They lost Von Miller, who I think had the second best pass pass rush win rate last year of any player. I think Aaron Donald might be number one as well. So. Um, that's obviously a big loss. People think that isn't a big loss, but it really was. He was amazing. Odell is a big loss. And people say, oh, yeah, he only played a few games. But before he played, they still had Robert Woods. So they've technically lost mm. wide receiver two, whether it's Woods or Beckham. doesn't really matter. They're different players, but they played a very similar role in, in that team. Um, they lost that player and placed him with Adam Robinson, who just doesn't fit that role. Um, and he just doesn't work with that offense in the same way. He's a good player if he was your third receiver and you've got someone else to do the stuff that Odell does. Well, maybe that will happen if Odell resigns. But I think that signing was crucial. And then obviously they lost both starting um, defensive tackles for the run game, which obviously got killed last night. They lost their left guard, their right guard. And then people forget that Andrew Whitworth, who's one of the best left tackles in the league last year, it wasn't very good the year before that. But last year he was really good. He retired this year. So they've lost like seven or eight starters. Um, yeah. And I think people people forget that just because they're, they're obviously known, aren't they, for like, oh, yeah, F them picks, we'll get all the stars, which they do get stars. But they still lose three or four starters every season. And now, like, a couple of seasons in, you're talking like they've lost, like, 11 of the, 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 the kind of 16 or 17 best players in the last two seasons have now left. And I just think the roster's not as good as what people think it is. Um, and I'm a little bit worried about it, to be honest, because the O-line is that bad that Stafford really doesn't trust them. And some of the passing concepts are show, so short now. And you're right, if Cooper Cup's not open, or if he's doubled, or if he's short of the sticks, then they're quite easy to defend aside from that. Um, so I'd be a little bit worried. But if you want to bet on Cooper Cup overs like me every week, the receptions are just hitting every week because he's got no one else to throw to. Um, do you think the kind of rumoured elbow, well, not rumoured, but ha- rumoured how bad the elbow injury is has kind of gone underestimated and is that one of the reasons or you just think the rest of the offence is so bad that it makes Stafford look worse than he is? Uh, I, I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't see anything in him that suggests that he is injured. He's not under-throwing balls. He's not being unusually inaccurate. I mean, the pick six yesterday was bad, but that was just... He does that every season, though, doesn't he? Four, five, yeah, he just missed the linebacker, and it's going to happen. You know, you're throwing as many passes as they do in that offense. You, you're going to have some that don't hit, and that's that's okay. But you know, I, I like Matt Stafford. I'm not, you know, in any way anti him. Uh, but yeah, just the if it's not Cooper Cup, who is it? You know, and they they I I, I don't particularly like Alan Robinson as a player, but they don't seem to want to even try and get him involved. I do like Tyler Higby as a tight end, and I was nice to see him have a good game last night. But it's, 
it's a weird one. They've they've lost a lot, and it just they don't feel like a Super Bowl contender to me right now. You know, they just they just don't. Yeah, I've got a friend on social media who's a Rams fan, and uh, the reason I was so upset, apart from obviously how we performed, I was so devastated that the Chiefs lost to the Bengals because I just think the Chiefs have absolutely killed the Rams. And I also think the Bills fans that are right that are saying that they were good, they lost to the Chiefs because they would have killed the Bengals and the Rams, and I, I probably agree with that. I think the Rams just got so hot on defence. Von Miller and Aaron Donald were pretty much killing every single um, offensive lineman they faced last season in the playoffs. And I think that was kind of what did it. And, and Cooper Cup obviously was was the best receiver in football. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. This year, they look worse than they did last year. Um, and I think last year, they were slightly lucky um, to be where they were. Uh, and obviously, they lost 24-9 last night. I'm, I'm a bit higher on the 49ers than you. Um, no, I, I, know. Their, <laughs> I want to call out their defense. Obviously, DC, D'Amico Autry, I think needs to be a, a head coach. I think he's one of the best defensive play callers in the league, I think he's much better than Robert Sala was with that defense. Um, they just look really, really good. Defensive line is obviously top three in the league. Obviously, Hufanga now is a top couple safety in the league. He's going to be a pro bowler. They've got the best linebacker in the NFL. So I think the defense just looks amazing. Um, I think the Rams defense missed tackles all night, which definitely made the offense look better than it was. Um, I think Jimmy played better than he did last week, but in the second half, definitely you could see that, again, he just doesn't look as good as he did two years in the, ago in the system. Um, I think some of that is because the offensive line's weaker now with, with obviously Trent Williams being injured. Um, but I think for them, obviously, it's a hell of a win. Both these teams sit at two and two. Most people probably had the Rams walk in this division. Uh, and I think that this division could be a lot closer now than what people think. Um, but the 49ers always beat the Rams and the Rams end up winning the division. So we'll see, we'll see if that holds. <laughs> yeah, um, it's next- a weird division now. Yeah, it's a weird division. Everyone beats everyone. <laughs> There's never any kind of upsets. It's like, okay, the team that always beats that team just beats them again, time and time again. But we'll see. We'll see if that changes throughout the season. Um, my next one, let's go with a team over a quarterback. Um, we've got two here. So I'll go with the Panthers first. kind of want to talk about them because I wasn't as high on them as some people, but even people like in America, like I know Bill Simmons on his podcast, thought they'd be a playoff team. There's people in our group chat that thought their defense is one of the better defences in the league. Um, they lost 26-16 to the Cardinals. Um, Kyler Murray didn't play very well, and obviously the Panthers still lost the game. Um, and I guess my main worry is how bad that Baker looks. 22-36, 197 yards, two interceptions, but he had six batted down passes in this game. Um, Christian McCaffrey, eight carries, 27 yards. The game was quite close as well, so they were running the ball. It wasn't a case of... They were down 26-0 and they had to pass it. They were trying to run the ball, but he just couldn't do it. Um, and I just think that, as everyone knows, this is this pod, and probably most people agree, that Matt Rule's time is, is up. I think he sh- they shouldn't wait much longer. They're 1-3 and three now. Um, and I think they're probably going to have to change quarterbacks as well because even though I know he is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, he's a better quarterback than Matt Corral. Um, mentally, I think Baker's just gone now. I don't know whether it is the Cleveland stuff or whether it is just this offensive line, this coach, this play caller. But for me, I'm just surprised about how bad he looks and how bad the offense looks. Who's got a couple of nice names on paper? But um, yeah, I think the team rightfully is probably one of the worst couple of teams in football now. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, it's it's a shame. I really wanted the Panthers to be good. Uh, you know, like I said, I like Baker and I. I really like McCaffrey, DJ Moore. They've got some nice pieces, and they've got a young, talented uh, defense as well that they're trying to build, but they just don't seem to be able to find ways to make explosive plays. I mean, you know, 
LaVisca Chanel had a huge catch and run last week, but without that, they'd pretty much be 0-4 right now. Um, you know, I, I don't think for one second that regardless of what's going on right now, that Matt Corral or Sam Darnold is the answer. I still think Baker Mayfield is clearly the best quarterback on that roster, but that's not saying much right now considering how he's playing right this second. So <laughs> they need to try and figure it out. Matt Rule doesn't look long for this world. Yeah, I mean, you know, David Tepper continues to say, I'm going to be patient, but do we really believe the billionaire owner when he says that? It feels hard to do that right now. So it's a weird situation. It really is. It's not ideal. But right now, it's, it is really hard to see, really, uh, this being, you know, a particularly good season for the Panthers at all. I, I, I can't see them getting more than a handful of wins unless something changes quickly. Yeah, it was all downhill when they uh, they hired Ben McAdoo. Unfortunately for uh, yeah for Panthers for Panthers fans, um, but yeah, they look like they're going to struggle this season. But can draft a quarterback in the summer and probably have a new head coach as well. Um, so things will look better next season. But yeah, it just sucks for for their fans this year. And my other worst performer of the week, which is one I'm going to just touch on very quick, was uh, one that we both mentioned. Um, in our notes to each other on WhatsApp was Carson Wentz. <laughs> I put Carson mm. Wentz rather than the Commanders, even though I do think the DC for the Commanders, who is also a horrible person off the field, um, he has coached terribly. I think the offensive coordinator, who is okay, is doing his best, but obviously Wentz is the issue. Um, I think Wentz finished with two interceptions, got sacked twice. Um, he got three intentional groundings, which is basically him. He's basically got a sack there and just thrown it away the last second, so it would have been five sacks. Finished with 170 yards, 25 of 42. Um, obviously, the Cowboys' defense is, for me, I don't know, it's hard with the Bucks because I think the Bucks were the best defense. But their top three NFC defense, pass rush-wise, they're amazing. So that's always going to be an issue. But I think the commanders looked really bad. Um, I think they've also got some really nice players. Obviously, Chase Young missing is key. But they're one and three now. Carson Wentz is doing Carson Wentz things. And I don't really know where this will leave them for the season, whether Sam Howell will come in or not at some point. Um, but kind of wanted to shout Carson out more just because I think after the last two weeks against Philly and Dallas, this is a player that I can't see anybody else taking a gamble on next season, I don't think. No, it's hard to see that. I just, he, I mean, his stat line was atrocious. He was like completing just over 50% of his passes. I think it was like 170 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He just, he looks a shadow of his former self. Um, I don't know if he's ever truly recovered from when he was playing an MVP caliber and got that, you know, horrible injury. And he's just never really recovered from that, unfortunately. It's it's tough to see. You know, you don't wish wish him ill whatsoever. But um, if you want the Washington team to do well, which, to be honest, I don't, so I don't really mind. But if you did want the Washington team to do well, uh, Carson Wentz just hasn't really shown anything in four games to make you believe that he could be that guy. I mean, you know, the highs are high and the lows are really low. It's a complete roller coaster and it's it's hard to see that this administration, you know, with Ron Rivera and Carson Wentz basically will will still be there at the start of next season. I, I just can't see that right now. Yeah, number yeah, fortunately Ron is a good bloke to our Ron Rivera, but yeah, the the, the team definitely very much an old school vibe to it and it doesn't help with, with some of the decisions that, that he's made. It was him obviously that chose Carson Wentz from a lot of the stories you read and that's obviously not going to prove out to be very well unfortunately for him um, cool so out of those categories I think there was like two games really we didn't t- touch on at all probably the best game of the week on paper and the worst game of the week on paper so quite ironic that we left those uh, let's go Bills over Ravens first 
Um, Bills won, I think it was 23-20. Ravens jumped out to a hell of a lead and didn't score basically for three quarters after that. Um, Greg Roman doing Greg Roman things and just calling the same run plays, calling deep shot passes that never land and and not really having a a good enough pass game was unfortunate because I think they were probably there for the take in the Bills and the Ravens could have won and and gone to the three and one. They've now lost two games at home in a row with 17-point leads. They've lost five games at home in a row in general across last season and this season. Um, so a little bit strange how a team that's also good at home is struggling. But uh, what were your takeaways from this before we get to the, the big fourth down decision that everyone's talking about today? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think talking about the fourth down decision is a, is a weird one inherently. Uh, the Ravens are who they are, right? You know, um, we, we shouldn't have been expecting anything different really in that moment. Uh, I, I think over, overall, I just think it reinforced to me how good the Bills are. Realistically, the Bills should have been in the Dolphins and should be 4-0. I, I do still think that the Bills are the best team in football. The stat that I love more than anything is that the Bills have conceded seven points in the second half in four games this season, which was the one touchdown the Dolphins had after the long play to Jalen Waddle against both their backup safeties. I mean, that's incredible. I, can't, I, I don't know if you can, Liam, but I can't think of a team only conceding seven points in the second half through four games. No, not that I can remember. Especially with the hard schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's not, and this is the thing, is it's not like they're playing mugs. They played the Rams, the Ravens, the Dolphins, and who do they play in week two that I'm forgetting? Um, the Titans. You know, they, they, they've they not played, they've played that's three, four playoff contenders, you know? Um, the Bills are special, elite. I don't, I don't think this, you know, says that much about the Ravens either, but you do have to say they've now twice in four weeks, blown big leads at home in games they should have won, which is something to keep an eye on. But I think it's just give credit to the Bills for being as good as we think they are. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not as impressed with the Bills, I have to say. But mine's more really? on the offensive okay. side. Mine's more, okay. mine's more the offensive side, to be fair. Um, you're right on the defence, especially with the injuries. I think the defence is so good. Leslie Frazier as a defensive coordinator is amazing. And obviously the head coach is... Sean McDermott is a defensive guy as well, isn't he? So, yeah, you're right to be on the defense. I should say it's just more the offense. I just think it looks so strange. I think they're averaging like the third lowest depth of target in the league. Obviously, the two high stuff that the Chiefs dealt with last year, the Bengals and Bills are dealing with this year. Uh, And it's quite interesting to see that if it's kind of not going to digs or if it's not Allen just running around, the offense is really struggling at the moment, especially against a team like the Ravens who've conceded, I think it was like the fifth most points in the league so far um, to wide receivers. So, um, I know the Dolphins game obviously skews that a little bit, but uh-huh. yeah, I just wasn't as impressed in this game. But I, I thought the Ravens probably should have won, like like, like I said earlier, with, with the the score that it was. But then to not be able to score anything, like you said, hardly in the second half is just not right. And in terms of the fourth down decision, I think it was the right decision. Um, like we said, you said earlier, obviously Harbour is Harbour. That's, that's what he's going to do. Analytically, all the models said that you go for it there. And my friend's a Ravens fan, and he wasn't too upset for going for it he's old school but he knows the hardball was going to go for it but obviously the play call to take a three-step drop from kind of shotgun where they were rather than just use Lamar in a running play was probably an odd one but again I think that comes down to just the way Greg Roman calls offense it never seems to make sense for the, for the Ravens um, and Lamar Jackson who's playing so well obviously has to carry the team to, to the but, um, yeah fun game overall finished on the under another big game finishes on the under um, 
but yeah, I think these two teams will, will be playoff teams and, and probably division winners when the season ends. Um, the other game we didn't talk about was uh, Giants and the Bears. So obviously the Giants won over the Bears. The main talking point for this is just the hilarious fact that uh, Saquon Barkley had to play quarterback for a few snaps, which was fun. Um, they're coming to London, so we're probably going to have to see Davis Webb, I think it is, playing quarterback, unfortunately. But they managed to win. They're 3-1, and one, crazily enough. They win 20-12. to 12. Um, The Bears let Justin Fields throw it a bit more. He had 22 attempts for 174 yards. The run game, however, wasn't as good with the Giants just stopping the run uh, a little bit better um, than other teams have done against the Bears in the second half of the game, at least. Um, but yeah, Giants win 20-12, to 3-1. and one. The NFC East has the most wins in any division in football, uh, which I don't think anyone would have been saying probably five weeks ago if he'd have asked them. <laughs> no, that's fairly hilarious. That is ridiculous for a number of reasons. Um, yeah, to be honest with you, like I, I, I actually kind of want Saquon to play quarterback at all times. Is that fair? <laughs> I just think that's way more exciting than what the Giants usually do. Um, you know, the Giants are a fraudulent 3-1. and one. We know this. You know, they've not played anyone and the only team they played, uh, you know, the Cowboys, you know, got them away fairly convincingly. They will be 3-2 and two come Sunday because Green Bay are not going to go to London for the first time and lose, as far as I'm concerned. And then, really, you kind of have to extrapolate out the rest of their schedule. I mean, you know, they've got Packers, Giants, Jaguars now up next. That could be three losses. They get a relatively easy run of Seahawks, Texans, Lions. I mean, you know, their, their, their schedule is not super difficult, largely because they get to play the Commanders twice as well. But I'm just not convinced by this Giants team being a uh, being a threat to the postseason at all. Um, I like where they're going direction-wise. I think, you know, Dayball's doing some good stuff. But they're not a team that I'm particularly concerned about in the uh, in the short term. And then on the flip side, you know, the Bears are absolutely atrocious. They're terrible. Um, <laughs> Two wins really, slow, I wanna, don't know. Well, I, I know that that's what's a joke is you've got really good teams who are, you know, two and two or even one and three. And you've got the, the Bears at two and two, which is nonsense. I wanted to ask you, Liam, do you think if as I think, the Bears kind of continue to go through the season not winning many games. And they have a top five pick in next year's draft. Do you think they'd be tempted to jettison Justin Fields based on what they've seen and go for either you know the next Ohio State guy in CJ Stroud or do you think they <laughs> do believe that Fields is the guy? I don't think they believe that Fields is the guy. No. Uh, obviously, it wasn't the... Uh, GM there now that drafted him. Obviously, Ryan Poles from the Chiefs is now the GM. Obviously, the head coach is different. Offensive coordinator is different. Quarterback coach is different. They're all different people now. And I, I personally would stick with him, even though this season's been bad. Um, my personal view is. But when you look at the offseason, how they only drafted defense, obviously, they let the O-line just capitulate. They didn't draft any receivers. They didn't throw any free agency money receivers. And next season, they've got the most cap space out of anybody in the NFL. All signs point to them not really believing in him because they didn't help him this year. They kind of knew they were going to throw him to the wolves, which meant that the fans were probably going to worry and his performance was going to get worse. Uh, so I think for me, all signs point to them not believing him. But if they end up drafting a receiver in the top five, spending loads of money on the O-line and free agency and prove me wrong, That'd be great because I, I like Justin Fields as a player and as a person, but um, I don't think there's many signs at the moment that, 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 that point that way. And if they keep not letting him throw the ball, 
I think that only looks worse every week, to be honest. And I think the fans are going to start to have a bit of a problem with it. And whether they choose to take it out on the player or the new people, I'm not sure. But I don't think it looks good for Fields. What about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's not done anything to suggest to me that he's the guy. You know, he just yeah. You can't be. They they clearly don't trust him to throw passes. He's just, just not throwing the ball. And you know, I, I have people in my ears telling me that Darnell Mooney is a good receiver. I disagree, but you know, we don't know because he's not getting the ball. It's 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 a weird situation. It really is. And I, you know, do I feel sorry for Chicago? I guess. But it's you know a situation where they they just don't look they just don't look like they're uh, capable of winning games right now at all. It's just a strange situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a very weird one. Obviously, a defensive head coach as well. So, how much is he ever going to let him pass the ball? I think it's, it's a very strange situation. I think it's a massive, massive off season next year because this is a new regime. If they have a bad summer next summer. You can't just keep saying, okay, we'll draft a new quarterback or we'll do new scheme or new players the season after. I think this is next summer is going to be a big year for them. And they've already got two wins, which is is going to hurt them in the they don't want to end up picking like four or five. And if I don't know, just say Bryce Young goes one, Will Levis goes two, and then you're there like, Okay, right, we've got QB three now <laughs> in this draft. It's like after we picked QB four in the other draft, it's like yeah. okay, we're we're not even going to get the guy that we want necessarily, even though they'll say whoever they got is the one they wanted. Um, I don't know if they're going to have, I don't know if they're going to have the worst record in football. I think it's such a weird season and their schedule is relatively easy compared to some teams um, that they could just end up getting five wins randomly because of defensive variants or weather or whatever. And then they sit there with pick seven in the draft or five in the draft and they have to pick QB three or four. I think that could be a bit of a worry after they traded up, for Justin Fields already so we'll see uh, not a good time I don't think for uh, for Bears fans um, cool let's just go over quickly then to uh, Fantasy Corner something we don't talk about as much on this pod um, did you want to give a couple of shout outs to any players this week who uh, probably won their team uh, to Fantasy Owners uh, their week yeah yeah, just a few. I mean, we, we kind of touched on the game earlier, but the, the, the tandem of Jared Goff and TJ Hawkinson was mightily impressive uh, you yeah. know Hawkinson Hawkinson had an unbelievable performance, honestly, that, you know, for a tight end to perform like he's Travis Kelsey without actually being Travis Kelsey is 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 remarkably impressive, honestly. It really is. I mean, eight receptions, 179 yards and two touchdowns and I think a two-point conversion as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, two-point conversion as well. You know, Hawkinson, depending on your scoring, got you almost 40 points from your tight end, which is, which is pretty impressive. Um, someone that is... Previously been a fancy nightmare that had a good week as Miles Sanders for Philadelphia. 134 rushing yards, two touchdowns, a couple of catches for 22 yards as well. He even went as so far as to tell people not to draft him previously. So I just wanted to give Miles Sanders <laughs> you know, credit there for performing well. Austin Eckler, we've already touched on, getting into the end zone three times. Probably got you around 30 points himself. Um, and then just two receivers. Obviously, we, we, we spoke earlier about the Buccaneers and what Mike Evans is able to do and, you know, getting him back into the lineup and he immediately gets two touchdowns for them. Not really a surprise, but he's just someone that's so consistent, so valuable and and, and such an intriguing uh, person to have on your squad. And then on the flip side, an interesting one based on, we don't really know what the situation is going to be, but I wanted to highlight that despite Tua Tagovailoa's obviously unfortunate um, concussion that we spoke about on Friday, Tyreek Hill still had a really good game 
against the Bengals. You know, 10 catches, I think it was 170 yards in the end. Um, yeah, it was. And that's, that's something to keep an eye on because, you know, he, <laughs> a reporter yesterday, 160 yards for Tyreek, sorry. Um, a reporter yesterday asked him, do you feel confident about putting up numbers with Teddy Bridgewater? And apparently, he looked the reporter in the eye and said, I'll put up numbers with you. So yeah, he did. Yeah, Ty- Tyreek Hill has a has an unwaverable, unflappable confidence about him uh, that you have to respect. And yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how he and and Bridgewater get their act together, considering the Dolphins will have had ten days to prepare for the high flying New York Jets coming off their <laughs> own win um, with Zach Wilson back in the lineup. Uh, so the Dolphins travel to New York on Sunday, looking to uh, get back on the win column and. Teddy Bridgewater versus Zach Wilson is not necessarily a marquee quarterback matchup, but it'll be really interesting to see not just how Wilson holds up against, you know, a, a talented and tough Dolphins defense, but can Teddy Bridgewater be a guy to keep the Dolphins afloat while uh, while Tua is out, similarly to how he did with the Saints a few years ago when, when Drew Brees was gone? Yeah, I think that would be an interesting game as a... Member of the uh, Zach Wilson Hive, the Milf Hunter Hive, as we call it over here. Um, uh, it was nice to see him uh, in one of my leagues, two QB leagues. I have him, and obviously he, he caught a touchdown. So even though he had two interceptions, catching a touchdown for a quarterback just uh, gave him enough points for me to win a week. So yeah, we'll see. That should be quite a uh, quite a fun game. Uh, also, didn't call out kind of fantasy slash rookie corner. Didn't mention uh, rookie corner. Didn't mention the fact that Kenny Pickett. Um, obviously came into the game didn't and none of his passes hit the floor they either got caught by his team or the other team um, and I do think there's just a small chance that some of their players in fantasy land might get a little bit better um, with a different quarterback just because Mitch just looks even worse than he actually probably is in this offense so we'll see if that helps um, but George Pickens finished with 102 yards from six receptions in a game where the offense looked terrible so if Kenny Pickett can improve it at all We'll see if uh, Pickens, Fryermuth, and Deontay Johnson can can be fantasy players or not. But um, want to call that out because we haven't mentioned Kenny no, yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. He's a starter now. I think he's yeah, going to start next week right. as well, from what Thomas said. Yeah, they they announced today that, that Pickett is now the starter and will start next week against. Um, who are they playing? Uh, They've Steelers, got a good Steelers, team Steelers, though. Steelers, Steelers. No, it's the Bills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, good luck, Kenny. If he can, yeah, if he can get any points in the second half against the Bills. Uh, but no, you know, <laughs> I, I I wanted to give you know, props to Kenny as well because yeah, he definitely gave him a spark. And we'll see. You know, the longevity of his career is not going to be judged on you know two games. And to be honest with you, the three interceptions is really kind of harsh on him because one's a hail mary right at the end. And I think the other two were both tipped. One, one of the line. One, I think they both came off his own receiver's hands, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, yeah I, that's right. I thought I thought Pickett um, actually did quite well. You know, two rushing touchdowns showed his desire and drive to force his way into the end zone on a couple of them. And you know, credit to him for being ready to go and stepping up uh, when needed. I think he's definitely someone who uh, will give the give the uh, Steelers fans. Still excited for the rest of the year when you know that this Steelers team is not going to be good. And really, I think if you're the Steelers fans, all you're cheering for for the rest of the year is hoping that Kenny Pickett looks like the Kenny Pickett you thought you drafted. They're going to be really interesting because I think they're one of the teams that drafted a QB this year that could have a top five, six pick next year. And yeah. 
and I don't know what they do. Because at least the Bears can say, oh, we've had Fields for two years. He hasn't proved it. Some people will slag them off for how they've dealt with it. I probably would. But at least with the Steelers, it'd be hard to say that Kenny's had a fair go at it. Just because they are facing, I think I read yesterday, the third hardest defence uh, across the whole season left. They've got the 49ers. Yeah. They've got the Steelers. Obviously, got the Bengals. They've got the Browns. They've got the Bills. They've got the Patriots. I don't know if they had the Patriots. I can't remember who the other team was. But they've got like basically all of the top 12 defences in the league apart from two the rest of the season. So they're going to struggle. Um, but I'd be interested if they get like pick five in the draft and there's only like two QBs gone. And obviously Tomlin banged on all summer about mobility and then draft a picket. And you got there with whoever it could be, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Richardson, all people that can move. I'd be interested to see what they do. But um, yeah, hopefully Kane looks good. I wasn't a fan of him in college, but... Uh, if he proves me wrong, then then fair play to him. It looks like Steelers yeah. fans, at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think even if they are top five, they would move on from Pickett based on, you know, what, 10 games, 12 games he's going to get this year, unless he is just clearly Oof. below the level. But I don't think he will be. I think he'd have to be, you know, Johnny Manziel levels of train wreck to, for them to move, <laughs> move on from him. And I just I just don't see that being the case. I think they've got just enough weapons around him. I think, you know, Najee Harris is an elite running back, you know, with with Pickens starting to grow into that offense. Fryer obviously a guy. Deontay Johnson is someone who can make plays down, down the field for them. Claypool, if he ever keeps his head on his shoulders, will maybe help out as well. So, yeah, I, I don't think the Steelers will move on from him. And then I think if you are a top five pick, considering how many teams we know are needy for franchise quarterbacks, there's definitely an argument that you could get a really good trade package to move out of the top five or... You, maybe you pick someone to go on the other side of TJ Watt and just attack attack quarterbacks with a you know a fearsome defense as well. I mean, I you know I trust the Steelers implicitly. They never miss on a wide receiver when they draft them, basically. And yeah, I just like the way that they are built as an organization. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if if Pickett was anything like a one and done. I, you know, whether whether you think of him talent wise, I, I think they'll give him time to have a fair shot at it. Interesting. We shall see. If he scores three touchdowns against the Bills in the second half now, that will shock <laughs> shock the world. We'll see. Um, <laughs> very true. Uh, cool. Let's look forward then very quickly to Thursday night. Um, I said earlier it's the least bettable game on the Thursday night slate. Some people may disagree because there's a hook involved here, but these teams are just wildly inconsistent. Um, so it's the Denver Broncos versus the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think it's at, at Denver as well, I think. Um Colt, uh, sorry, Denver are favoured by three and a half, so you can get the Colts at, at plus three and a half if you want them. The under over is 43.5. Um, probably would have been a lot higher if you'd have put this game out five weeks ago before the season died, but between both quarterbacks and uh, at least one of the head coaches, I think people have lost a lot of faith in the offences for these two teams. Um, what are your general thoughts on it, mate? Who do you think is going to win the game? Who do you think is going to win that spread? Well, I was really high on the Colts in the offseason. And I've obviously been wrong about that. And I was fairly <laughs> low on the Broncos in the offseason. I think I've been fairly right about that. Right. So it's a weird yeah, one. Okay. I'm, I'm going to stick with the team I like more and just say that I will take the Colts plus 3.5 here. Though this is obviously in a situation where they've come out today and said, Jonathan Taylor isn't out. We hope he plays. <laughs> um, if Jonathan Taylor plays, I'd feel, I'd feel good about the Colts here. You know, obviously he'd be a bit banged up, but he is just that good when you get him going. And the the Broncos' defense doesn't look special. You know, Josh Jacobs just made him look silly on Sunday, and I don't think Josh Jacobs is anywhere near the caliber of running back that Jonathan Taylor is. So 
Yeah, I would lean Colts here. I mean, I really want the Colts to figure it out and get it together. I like that franchise generally. And after Andrew Luck's retirement, I feel sorry for them that they've just kind of languished for a couple of years. But yeah, it's, it's hard to know. I'd, I'd like to see them getting uh, Alec Pierce the ball a bit more to go alongside Michael Pittman. But with Jelani Woods and Mo Ali Cox as you know the, the twin towers of tight ends, they do have <laughs> options to throw the ball uh, down down the field. And the Broncos just look really bad. I mean, you know, we spoke about it the other day, and I was absolutely convinced that the Raiders would beat them on Sunday, and was proven correct. Even though I'm not high on the Raiders either, but it just something about that whole organization with Nathaniel Hackett right now is not it's not right. It's not feeling natural. It's not feeling comfortable and you just kind of look at it and say, I, I really just don't see how the Broncos are going to be in the hunt later in the season, despite spending all this money to bring in, you know, a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. Yeah, very strange how um, they bring in a assistant head coach to help him with decision makings because he realised how bad his decisions were. And then after he makes a decision that he doesn't agree with, Hackett then comes out in the media and basically <laughs> blames him uh, two weeks ago. So I do find all the vibes wrong with Denver at the moment. But yeah, I'm with you. Colts plus three and a half be my pick. I'll probably stay away from the total. I've got it. Un- I've got it over 35.5 myself. 35. Oh. Yeah, I've got it over 35.5 on an alternative Acker at the oh, moment. Okay. It's only yeah, it's only got one, two legs left to come in because I put. Um, Chiefs in there, I put Cooper Cup over receptions in there, so I've only got two legs left. So we'll see if that comes in. But in general, yeah, I think we're going to be missing Jonathan Taylor, my my guess. Um, unfortunately, Javante Williams obviously tore his ACL. He's out for the season. Um, that's a big loss for the Broncos because Melvin Gordon looks like he's going to fumble the ball every time he touches it at the moment, so I'm not quite sure how that's going to look. Um, Russ looked a little bit better on his feet this week, but still struggles, obviously, as he always does to hit the middle of the field. I'm not quite sure what what sort of game we're going to get here. I don't think it's one people in real life should probably bet. I don't think it's going to be one many people stay up for if you don't support these two teams, if you're on this side of the pond. Um, but yeah, I think I'll lean Colts plus three and a half. Maybe the defense plays well like it did against the Chiefs. Trust Hines slash those tight ends slash Pittman to do something. Uh, and I know um, our friend Adam, who we do a podcast with, um, every single Thursday, uh, he seems to bet one of the Colts Titans every week to score a touchdown. And he gets the wrong one, so um, <laughs> find out find out who he picks to score. Pick the other Thursday one. <laughs> night. Yeah, and pick the other one. Basically, you can tune in to us to, to find out. But yeah, I'm with you. I'll go Colts two and a half, but um, not not a very good game. Um, I think that leads us towards the uh, the end of the episode, mate. Um, like I said, everyone, me and Callum both feature on the Full Ten Yards Betting Podcast. That will come out. Well, it's live on Thursdays, and you can get it on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. But I think the episode will probably come out Friday morning. So if you want to hear Thursday night bets, then you're probably going to have to, to listen live. Um, I'll be on the Full 10 Yards Power Rankings podcast with Josh tomorrow. Um, me and Patrick will be back on Friday to do our preview for all the Sunday slash Monday games. Um, and also Full 10 Yards, if you can't listen to the pod, you can get our best bets on the website at full10yards.com. Um, all the picks will be written on there. Um, did you want to shout out your socials, mate, again? And uh, thanks for coming on. You've been a great help. I'm sure we'll get you on later in the podcast, later in the year, when it's Chiefs Dolphins in the playoffs. You'll be on. I'm sure that can happen. <laughs> oh, no, I'm always happy to help out, man. Yeah, and congrats to Patrick again. Yeah, I'm, I'm at Callum JD Squires on, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Fraud Watch rankings for week four just came out today. And uh, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, all, all sorts of uh, columns and uh, podcasts and things, and the occasional. Uh, 
soccer take as well as I have to say over here in America. So yeah, uh, <laughs> check it out. Thanks. No worries. And yeah, you can follow us as well at, uh, at go for two on Twitter Two bin number two, follow at full 10 yards as well for all your other content. Loads have come out already this week. Um, we'll be back on Friday. Uh, have a good week guys. And we'll speak to you soon. Yeah.